0: New Year's is a time for people to resolve or to decide to do new things, to establish new habits. But as you know, many resolutions fail. (laughs) Uh, But a friend I spoke with just this week is an example of resolve to worship God despite difficulty and physical challenge. This This young wife is one of the most thoughtful theologians that I know. She writes for major publications. She has taught and and often teaches at a local seminary. However, over the last six years, she has endured significant suffering with chronic pain as a result of Lyme disease and with chronic severe depression. Every part of her body is affected, her brain, her heart, her stomach, even the best, with the best medical care, there has been little relief and no resolution to her problem. Every day is a fight to keep going, and 2022 has been a particularly bad year. You know, in many marriages, they don't survive such chronic conditions. And faith, being pushed to the limits like this, few get through. I asked her, I said, "How, how do you make it through? Her answer, my God and my husband. She continued, she said, many days I can't do anything, but I push myself to do the things that I value most. I press myself to read God's word, even even if it's just a phrase that I repeat over and over in prayer. I purpose to communicate with my husband and I reserve all my strength for Sunday that I can gather with God's people in the church she can't do much and as she spoke i'm 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 not sure she would make it without those relationships but she is an example of what paul calls true and proper worship true and proper worship worship is assigning value or worth to someone or something, and she worships God, finding in him the most important thing she can, the most important thing she can attend her time to with the little energy that she has. Well, friends, today we're picking up where we left off on our study through the book of Romans, In this last section, chapters 12 to 16, Paul shows how believers worship God with their whole life. They worship God with their whole life in view of God's mercy in the gospel that Paul has just explained in chapters 1 through 11. Now, as I've done throughout Romans, I'll start with this overview of Christian living. That's the subject of this last section that we're looking at. And we will walk through chapters 12 to 16 over the eight weeks that follow the biblical marriage conference. This overview is is set up so well by Paul in Romans 12, 1 and 2, which Ali just read for us. I'm just going to speak from those verses in this overview. And, And really the one thing that I want you to take away is this. In view of God's mercy, true Christians offer their lives in proper worship to God. In view of God's mercy, true Christians offer their lives in proper worship to God. Now, my prayer is that we'll all be encouraged and even challenged as we consider what does it mean to offer our whole lives in worship of God. Now, three points will guide us as we consider this passage. First, viewing God's mercy. Second, living transformed. And third, testing God's will. Now, beginning in verse one, Paul urges the believers to continue viewing God's mercy. Now just, just prior to this passage, Paul says in Romans 11:32, "For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that He might have mercy on them all." The context of this statement is that God has chosen both Jews and Gentiles, to receive the promise of salvation. There's, there's only one way to receive God's mercy. It's not one way for Jews and another way for Gentiles. No, it's only through the mercy of God in the gospel. Now, mercy is defined as the undeserved favor of God and, and this mercy is so clearly displayed in Paul's explanation of the gospel back in chapter 3. So I want us to look back there in three twenty two to 25. There it says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. God is holy. He is completely righteous, and we we fall so short of his righteous standard. No one is able to bring themselves up to that standard. That is, no one can justify themselves to God's righteous standard. But in mercy, in mercy, God took the most valuable Worthy and beautiful thing in all the universe. His one and only son. And he freely gave him. Freely giving Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement. He did that so that we, we who are completely unvaluable, unworthy, and unclean. Could be redeemed to himself. By this mercy, God justifies us. He does it by paying our sin debt and granting us Christ's righteousness. And in that righteousness, we have life. Friends, the gospel, <laughs> the gospel is not God's Social relief plan. It is his mercy. Salvation is God's gift. And he freely gives it. But get this. Salvation is neither free nor cheap. It came at a great cost. The worthy blood of Jesus. Friends, something this valuable cannot simply be an add-on to your life. May it never be just an add-on. Here's the thing. Now, here's why it must be mercy to us because, you see, there's nothing in us that deserves such a gift. (laughs) You're... In your sinful nature, friend, you are nothing. Your nature is turned against God. You don't seek God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You are a sinner. Salvation must come by God's mercy or it doesn't come at all. And look, even if you have repented and believed for this mercy, still you don't deserve that mercy from God. It is God's gift to you. And because we don't deserve it, you should never act like you do. Don't act as if you deserve God's mercy. It is his gift. Though there's nothing in us that deserves God's mercy, though, there's also nothing about us that would hinder God's mercy. We didn't do anything to deserve it, and we can't, by who we are, hinder God's mercy either. God will not withhold his mercy because of who you are or what you have done. He won't withhold his mercy because of your religious or ethnic background. He won't withhold his mercy because what has happened to you. Friend, he sees you. God sees you. And Christ's arms of mercy have been opened wide to you. Friend, you understand you cannot outsin God's mercy to you. God is all-knowing, and He does not keep a record or account of your wrongs. And though even though we still sin, even, even after we've believed, our God is patient with us. Believer, have you fallen into some serious sin? Think of David. Murder, adultery. Have you fallen into some serious sin? Then return to mercy. Return to mercy. Bring it under the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Truly, truly, he has lavished his kindness on us. And indeed, church, his mercy is more. What mercy he has shown us. What grace he offers to us. Now, look, if if you don't, know this mercy, this grace from God, then you can know it today. You can. God is holding out his gift to you even as you're hearing this message of the gospel. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the message of Christ. That gospel says that though you have turned from God in your sin, that Jesus was sent to save you from the judgment you deserve because of your sin. He died on a cross. His blood was the sacrifice to redeem you, to to literally purchase your life for God. And he rose from the dead showing that he saves from sin and its punishment of death. The gospel call is to believe this, believe this message, receive God's mercy and turn from your sin to follow Christ. Now, if you're ready, ready to receive Christ and to give your life to follow him, then ask me, ask one of the people here who are members of this church after the service, how you can live for God. All right? And believers, you you need to hear this gospel too and always keep God's mercy in view. That's what Paul is speaking to us here. Never forget what your salvation costs. Never forget what salvation costs. And may this always point you in the direction of humility reverence, and worship. Now, the mercy of God in the gospel demands a life change. It's it's not a New Year's resolution that's bound to fail sometime later. In in Romans chapter 6, think back with me, Paul said that the gospel unites us with Christ in his death. We must die with Him to our old sinful nature. The gospel unites us with Christ in His resurrection so that we may live for God in Him. And in Romans 8, Paul said, the gospel brings about a mental reset. A mental reset. In Christ, we turn away from fleshly desires to what God's Spirit desires. Our lives should look different. Christian, if your life doesn't look different than the world, you have to ask yourself, what gospel are you believing? This is what the Bible calls sanctification. Sanctification it, it doesn't happen immediately like justification. We, we just spoke about that. That's being declared righteous by God's mercy through faith in the gospel. It happens immediately. But sanctification is a process of our lives being changed over time by God's mercy because of the gospel. It continues throughout our life and it only finishes when we stand before God. Our Savior face to face. Oh, what a day. Here's the thing. You cannot be justified if you are unwilling to be sanctified. You cannot call Jesus Savior if you will not call him Lord. Sanctification is God's call to a new and living way. And this cannot be done on your own. It it comes through God's mercy. Living the Christian life means submitting to God's work on you as you actively walk away from the world's pattern and into the worship of God. And that's what we want to consider in this second point, living transformed. Now, verse 1 and 2 continue. Got to get my glasses on. 1 and 2 continue. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, Christian, is, is your life any different because of God's mercy? Uh, would, would anyone knowing you before you came to faith, would, would they say that you're changed? That, you've, you, that they could recognize it? Could your family see a difference, for instance? Uh, what about your friends? A Christian's life should look significantly different from non believers' lives. Contrary to what some think, believing in Jesus does not mean freedom to do whatever you please or whatever you desire. That's not what it means to be a Christian. In these verses, Paul gives two commands. Uh, Even three things that we should put into practice. So let's unpack what this means. Uh, Verse 1, you know, there said, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper worship. Living transformed is, first, offering one's body as a living sacrifice. Now, a sacrifice means death. So you may be wondering, okay, how then can I be a living sacrifice? Well, Paul's, Paul's picking up on something from Jesus here in Luke chapter 9. If you want to flip over to Luke chapter 9 and see there in verses 23 and 24, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. A living sacrifice means living dead. You need to live dead, dead to self and selfishness, dead to me and me time, dead to self-rule, self-help, your own Self-concept, dead to self-love, self-care, self-confidence, self-esteem. Now, neither Jesus nor Paul are saying that you need to hate yourself. <laughs> that's, not what he's, that's not what they're saying in that how you see and understand yourself is important, but how much better? To see yourself rightly in light of Christ. What I mean by that is either, either with him or apart from him. You know, apart from Christ, you are a sinner who will be judged by God. No matter how good you feel about yourself. And with Christ. With Christ, you are a child of God. And you are of infinite value. But listen, you can't have it both ways. (laughs) You can't have it both ways. Even as oil and water don't mix, you can't have all the benefits of Christ and live apart from Him. It doesn't work. You can't live for yourself as a believer in Christ. Paul at the very beginning of this book. Quotes the Old Testament. Where in, in, in Romans 1.17. He says the righteous will live by faith. Through faith in Christ. You see. We deny ourselves. We pick up our cross daily. And become a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is holy and pleasing to God. He enjoys it when you live your life for him. And a person who truly understands mercy, you see, wants to do whatever they can to please the one who's shown them mercy. It's not a, not a matter of repaying God. That's not what you're doing. You can't. We can never repay his kindness. What it is, is a matter of being truly grateful. Could God be pleased by someone who shows ungratefulness by continuing to live in the ways that are opposed to him? Would that be pleasing to God? I think not. Now, Paul goes on to say, living as a sacrifice is true and proper worship of God. Now, remember, worship is assigning worth to someone. So when you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, you're saying to Christ, you're more valuable than I. Jesus, you are more valuable than I. <clears throat> what a true statement. <laughs> because God is of infinitely greater value than you. And his mercy that elevates you to his righteous standard is worth far more than anything you could gain in this world and even any more far more valuable than anything you could offer. Just think about the mercy of God. Oh, 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 the mercy of God. May it compel us to worship him. Worship him for who gave his all in his son. May it lead us to give all that we are. All that we have. All that we will ever become. Oh, church, worship him for... Worship Him who laid down His life for you and now calls us to lay down our lives in humble, heartfelt worship. He is worthy of our true and proper worship. Now Paul's second and third commands go together. They they guide how we are to be This living sacrifice. The the second command is do not conform to the pattern of the world. It's an action. It's an action that we must take. And it's an action that's in the negative. Uh, it, it, It means that obeying it is something that you're not to do. It's the pattern of the world. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world began when mankind decided not to obey God and God's word. And since that time, the world has constantly been pressing us to conform, that is, to be like the world. The pattern of the world presses us. In these days, it presses us towards individualism and isolation. Think about it. Social media presses you to spend more time staring at your phone than... Being with people. It's like psychotherapy that says, oh, the healing is inside of you. Just do whatever pleases you. I can hear that snake tempting with those words. The pattern of the world presses us towards the sinful nature you see towards things like pleasure and personal gain, jealousy, and putting ourselves before others. And Paul will speak about all of that in the later passages. Unfortunately, the world's patterns are even finding their way into the church. Churches conforming to the world's pattern attract people by pleasing their sinful natures. They make it easy for people to come in and go out and never meet anyone. They say things like, Jesus loves you just the way you are, implying that you can follow Jesus without changing a thing. It's not true. A biblical church, biblical church, is not just many individuals. It's a community. A biblical church doesn't leave us in our sin. It's brothers and sisters spurring one another on to love and good work, good deeds, and to be living sacrifices to God. Now, you know the problem of a living sacrifice, right? Living sacrifices always want to crawl off the altar. We need one another's help to stay in the process of sanctification. Being a living sacrifice, you see, involves work. Your efforts and ours together to not conform to the patterns of this world. But it also involves the work of God. And that's the third thing that Paul's mentioning here is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Now this isn't actually a command, it's it's actually something that happens to you. Something that the Spirit does in you. Renewing your mind changes the way you think, you see. It, It begins right here. The battle is here, in the mind, in the brain. Renewing your mind, you see, is reversing that the sinful nature tendencies in you. It's, it's turning things upside down, or, or rather, should I say, it's turning things right side up the way God intended. But it doesn't ha- happen by just sitting back and waiting on God to do something. It happens when we put ourselves in places. To have our minds renewed by God. To be transformed by him. The Holy Spirit and God's word do the work. But we need to be in the right place. Now, Renewing your mind happens when you submit to and obey God's word. And becoming a Christian is just the very beginning of that. There's a whole lifetime of enjoying God ahead of you, Christian. <laughs> so listen to God's word. Meditate on the things he's saying. The word that formed the mountains will reshape your thoughts. That word that changes the course of rivers can Redirect the synapse, the the electrical impulses, even in your brain. Because God's word is powerful and effective. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it will work in you. So submit yourself to its cutting, brothers and sisters. Offer your bodies, yes, even your sinful nature, in sacrifice to God, and you will find the true life of God's Spirit springing out. Put yourself in places and in situations so that he can do this work in you. It's, it, it is passive. It's, it's something that's happening to you, but you have to be there. You have to be there to receive it. So how are you putting yourself in places to hear God's word? Let me give you a couple ideas. One, listen to God's word preached. Well, here you are. (laughs) That's great. How are you paying attention, though? Are you taking notes? Are you thinking about it? Are you, are, you, are you wanting to meet with others after the service so that throughout this week you can discuss what God has spoken in this time? Another one, second way you can do this is to read God's word on your own. I want to encourage you to read the Bible daily. Daily. Why? It's your spiritual food if you don't eat God's word, you're starving. So set a time every day to read the word. Find a regular place to do that. Now Chris, Chris and I, my wife and I, we do this every morning. But some, you, some of you might find it better to do it right before bedtime. When I was working a really difficult job, started very early, got out very late, I used my lunch hour to read God's Word, find time and a place. Now, we want to help you in this, so we're putting together a plan to read through the Bible in a year, all together. We could do this as a church. So here's, here's this. We got these in the back there. Chris is standing up by them, and, and, and if you don't have a Bible, she's got Bibles there too. You can either choose to read the whole Bible, and I know that can be hard and intimidating for some people or you can just read one chapter a day in the New Testament and read through the entire New Testament. Now there is a, she's actually going to have folks sign up who want to help one another to do this and you can get copies of this back there as well. It's a call to be a living sacrifice, your true and proper worship. It's saying to God, "You're worthy." You're worthy. You're more valuable than my desires, my pleasures, my time, my pain, my suffering, even my life. You're worthy, Lord. Believer, is that that your attitude in worship? To give everything to the Lord? Well, with that attitude, worship changes from just what you do on Friday as you come to church to a worship of your entire life. I want you to think about how you can worship God through the way you work at your job. How are you worshiping God in your work? How will your driving be a worship to God? Hmm. How about your cooking? How will your time in the living room be a worship to the Lord or your bedroom? Church, what areas of life need to be <coughs> renewed toward the worship of God? Write that down. What area of your life needs to be renewed toward the worship of God. And church, don't, don't go at this alone. God has given you one another to talk about these things and to encourage one another in this transforming process of sanctification. As we give our bodies and living sacrifice and our minds to be renewed, then, Paul says, then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's turn now to that third point, testing God's will. Our our former pastor, Max Stiles, used to say to young, eager college students, I know what God's will is for your life. You want to know? This usually prompted some look of wonder and then an urgent desire. Yes, I want to know what God's will is for my life. God's will for your life is always in the direction of Jesus. That's true. And how do you test that? Well, look, if you're at a decision point and one path leads you towards Christ... And the other path will make you per, your pursuit of Jesus more difficult. And friend, your choice should be the path towards Christ. No matter what else must be sacrificed in order to take that path. The Bible is clear about God's will. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 will come up here. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. Your sanctification, what we've been talking about half of this sermon, is God's will for you, that you would become more holy. So, what does Paul mean that we can test and approve God's will? Well, first it means we can't test and approve God's will as we offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices in view of his mercy as we turn from the patterns of this world and and as we submit ourselves to the transforming work of his word then we can look back seeing our life before and after we can look back and find that his way is better It's better. And you who have been walking with Jesus for a while, you know that. Testify to your younger brothers in the faith. Testify to your younger sisters in the faith. His way is better. Loving others is better than loving ourselves. Attaching ourselves to the body of Christ is better than being an unattached body part. Accepting our brothers and sisters because of the gospel is better than separating because they're different than we are. As we go on in Romans 12 to 16, Paul is going to challenge us on each of those and other examples. Friends, put yourself in places to hear God's word and consider the sanctifying challenge. Of Romans 12 to 16. Come back every week. Give your body, your mind to God in worship as a living sacrifice. And though it though it may be painful, remember, sacrifice is death, it's death to self. Whatever it costs, I guarantee you will find God's will in sanctification. To be good, pleasing, and perfect I want to I want you to test this over the next year. Maybe this can be your new year 's resolution that you will follow the Lord no matter what it costs, that you will submit to his word, that you will turn from the patterns of this world the patterns of culture, the patterns that are ungodly, and that you will offer yourself in worship as a living sacrifice to God, as a true believer. Because true Christians offer their lives in proper worship to God. Let's pray. Father God, we... Praise you for the mercy that you have shown us in Christ, mercy that we could never even see if you had not been so kind to reveal, mercy that we would never know if you had not been so gracious to come and be our Emmanuel, God with us. Mercy that somebody, somewhere has spoken this message so that we could hear and repent and believe. Lord, some here haven't done that, and we pray that mercy would awaken their soul. Lord, thank you for mercy. That helps us to walk in this process of dying to ourselves and living for you. For you are worthy, worthy of it all. In Christ's name, amen.